Welcome to the Sports Card Strategy Show with your hosts, Paul Hickey of NoOffSeason.com and Kendall McKee of Wild Cards, Box Breaks, and JustBaseball.com. Part of the NoOffSeason.com Sports Card Content Network. Save 20% on the sports card investment report at NoOffSeason.com by using the promo code NoOffSeason, all lowercase, at checkout. Get your first month at MarketMoversApp.com for only $1 by using the promo code NoOffSeason, all lowercase. All right, that's enough promotion. Let's get into the show. Here's Paul and Kendall. <laughs> yo, yo, what's up, everybody? How do we like that new pre-recorded intro? Pretty sick. <laughs> Tell me that was like an automated voice. That was like some weird-ass uh, <laughs> app that I downloaded to change my voice into celebrity voices. <laughs> oh, man. I, I was just it. like... Especially when you first went live and it was like two seconds and then it cut off. I was like, wait, is that? (laughs) Yeah, that's for post-production, post-production purposes uh, so that I can uh, cut that little, (laughs) that little weird part off at the beginning. So everybody joining live, you get the treat, you get the mess up. And um, if you're listening to this on Apple or Spotify after the fact, or you're watching this on YouTube after the fact, you now... Uh, don't know what we're talking about. So with that said, let's introduce our special guest, shall we? Because we have a special guest on the show today, guest host Chase Krim of uh, Roadshow Cards, Texas Roadshow Cards specifically. Yes. Um, and you you all know Kendall and I. So Kendall, why don't you uh, why don't you help us introduce our guy Chase here, man? You call sure. him Krim, so should I just call him Krim? Uh, well, I call him Krim, but he actually owns the Texas Roadshow shop with his brother Cody, who who I guess would also could be Krim. Yeah. Uh, so when so just to to uh, expel some confusion, Krim and I went to college together. Uh, he's a little bit younger than me, but we are Buffs. Go Buffs! Go Buffs! Baby, uh, West Texas A and M alumni. Um, some of the finest, I'd say. Uh, I'd say that as well. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, Krim works um, for Jimmy at Kentucky Roadshow, one of the greats in the hobby. Um, shout out to Jimmy and what he's done just for the hobby in general. Um, and weirdly enough, I've known Krim for a long time. And um, when I first started doing my card stuff on Twitch and some stuff like that, Krim reached out to me. And he was like, "Hey, um, do you know Jimmy?" I was like, no, I, I don't even, I have no context to what you're talking about. And I thought he was talking about somebody from school. And he's like, no, Kentimmy or Kentimmy, Jimmy from Kentucky Roadshow uh, lives in your city in Lexington. Like is, is like one of the best card shops in the nation. You definitely need to go check it out. And uh, I had no idea. So um, just went down the street, met Jimmy, was super cool um, and just loved the shop, loved the vibe. Um, it's a little too much uh, Kentucky blue for me, to be honest. Uh, he's got like just the sickest UK memorabilia in the shop. Uh, there's literally a taxidermied wildcat in there, and it is it's it's insane. Um, he's got some Carl Anthony Town shoes that are bigger than my whole body. Um, but Krim ends up working for Jimmy down the road, and now he owns 
or runs or however you want to say that. I'll let you yeah. get into that. <laughs> but you guys have had a wild week, man. You guys have had a wild week, and you met Jason Terry. Dude, we How did. was that? So I was just telling uh, Paul this before the show started. but So we opened Wednesday uh, in Mansfield, Texas. Um, Tuesday night, we had a VIP party that we invited Panini employees, Beckett employees, Leaf employees, and like our family too. Um, and it was really successful. But yeah, we had we had two celebrities there. We had Jason Terry, obviously on the championship Mavs team. The Jet. Um, and then we also had Matt Chanel, who fights in the UFC that we've become good friends with, uh, who's also a fellow card collector. Um, so it's always great to have him out. But yeah, dude, Jason Terry. Um, it's crazy because he's not that tall. And it's like, this dude was a baller. Like he's like <laughs> top 10 and three pointers all time. Yeah. And it's just, uh, he just looks like a normal dude, you know? Yeah. I feel like he was listed at maybe six foot or six one. And yeah. so do you feel, do you feel like he's, is he shorter than that in person? No, he's right. Uh, that's probably, he's probably six one. Cause my brother's six three yeah. and he was taller than him, which was surprising, <laughs> but nice so cody should be in nice. the nba is what you're saying yes cody should be nba the fact that he's working with me in the card shop is a huge disappointment <laughs> that's awesome so well, how did, how uh, did so you chase... get there how did you yeah, get yeah i was gonna involved. ask the same thing Ch- chase crim texas roadshow cards tell us tell us how you got there so cody and jimmy were friends way before i became into the equation in the card hobby um and at before roadshow my brother worked at beckett for a couple years and then he moved to panini for a couple of years and so through that he was able to network meet all these people in the industry and the hobby blah 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 um so him and jimmy became good friends and jimmy's had this vision for a while now that he wanted to franchise these card shops across the world i mean across the country and across the world um and he actually went to cody and another friend of mine uh with the vision first and actually like they were the first two that he wanted on board roadshow cards and my brother said dude like let's do it um so my title we don't really have titles to say Jimmy owns everything, and so at the end of the day, Jimmy can do whatever he wants. But I guess if I were to compare it to something, my brother would be like the general manager of the Texas shop, and I would just be like a manager. But title-wise, like, none of us really care. I don't really care. Like, it's just kind of – we all work together for the same goal, so that's all it is. Nice, man. You guys have pulled some pretty sweet cards in your first week. <laughs> I think we pulled like four color blasts. Good morning, Toa. How are you? Uh, I think we pulled like four color blasts, a Messi Auto, um, a Shohei Otani one of one, multiple Star Wars awesome sketch cards. It's It's been crazy. So did Top send you those uh, those hot boxes? Um, <laughs> apparently everyone's in his hot boxes for our first week <laughs> so our next month is probably gonna be yeah. rough yeah so sell high you know yeah. <laughs> sell high on texas roadshow yeah. 
That's awesome, man. I'm so super I've seen, excited. Yeah, and congrats on on opening the store in Texas. That's phenomenal. So this is all starting to make sense. Um, I've seen Jimmy's content a little bit uh, on Instagram. Um, where are you? Where are you creating content? Like, where can people find you? Okay. Uh, give a little, give a little shameless plug. I know um, this, the shops in Texas, but where else can people, if they're not in Texas, how can they help you out? So our biggest thing that we do is YouTube. Um, just search Texas Roadshow Shop. Um, that's that's definitely been our most successful media type. But we're also on Instagram, Texas Roadshow Shop, and Twitter. And on Twitter, it's just TX Roadshow Shop. But YouTube, you like, I can't. I'm surprised at how well YouTube has worked for us. And people have come in this week saying how, like, we were asking people how they knew about us. I was like, oh, YouTube, YouTube, YouTube. And it's like, wow, that's, it's crazy. Never expected it. But that's where you have yeah. experience too, though. I do have experience. I have a lot of experience with YouTube, but not good experience with YouTube. <laughs> so to fill you in, me and my brother were Disney vloggers. Um, like Disney World bloggers, and we've been doing YouTube like for like four or five years, and I think we have like, I mean, we we have a lot of videos, and I think like two or three have popped off, um, and then other than that, it's just like fifty views, fifty views, fifty views, but like it's crazy. So we didn't expect this at all because we were doing that for five years, and like the first video we did got like 1200 views like instantly and we're like what is happening that's awesome that's awesome i was gonna ask you so like what kind of content are you putting out that's working well for you are you mainly showing cards and things that happen um with like boxes and and packs that you're ripping or are you doing are you mixing it up and like showing your face and other stuff because i mean kendall and i we just we just like to show yeah. you guys <laughs> our face the entire time uh but what are you guys doing over at uh at texas roadshow cards um okay um so obviously we're located near dallas dallas has a huge show every two months and what works best for us on youtube is this card show vlogs um like those always pop off for us uh viewership wise and we try to mix in like a we'll do like a show tips video or like a card breaking video and like those typically don't do as well for us not saying like it doesn't do well for other people but youtube i guess just the um the uh what am i thinking of the youtube algorithm algorithm just loves our card show vlogs apparently yeah. and nothing else nothing else we do is good so yeah, yeah, I think I think that makes sense. I mean, like uh, numbers wise, those those types of things seem to do the best. And mm -hmm. and then like you know, if it's a specific tip on something, I think that that mm -hmm. that does well also. So that's cool. Well, we definitely encourage people to check you guys out, and we will talk more throughout this episode uh, on on some you know like live card show in person uh, and and shop related stuff. So we're glad to have you on today and um wanted to jump into our first topic here uh well actually you know what before we jump into our first topic kendall and i just have a couple of housekeeping items uh because for those of you that watch and listen consistently we talk a lot about my psa submission and my beef <laughs> with my psa submission that i have had so some of you uh have have commented 
and have some relate relatable experiences with PSA, obviously. And it's good and bad. Um, so I figured I would just give you my updates since people have commented on this. I did receive back my 178 card submission uh, from February 2021. I got it back. I got the grades back over this weekend, so that makes it like a full 18 months. Um, but the good news is you they spent like a whole the... $25 on the entire yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah. Kendall's a little, a little sorely jealous. I did get I it in before I did get it in at the $12 per card level, uh, which thank God I did because, uh, I will be able to actually profit from some of these. I won't bore you guys with all the details. I think what I'm thinking of doing is actually putting out a completely separate video that has nothing to do with the show, but that will still be on the channel, obviously. Uh, just about my results of the submission because I think it's pretty in like it'll be interesting to kind of show like my spreadsheet what I thought the grades were going to be what the cards are what they're what they're selling for now what the grades actually are and what my projected profit is so it'll kind of walk everybody through like my process in terms of being the spreadsheet geek trying to predict the grades going through like I'm not going to go through every card like why did I have this card graded but just show an overview of like what the profit margin will be. So I think I will profit. Um, and I think the only main reason why I'm profiting is because the cards were submitted at the $12 per card level. Um, but they were a mix of 1988 through basically 1998, uh, mainly basketball and football cards. And then Ken Griffey Jr. Cards. There were a couple Frank Thomas and there was one Kirby Puckett. So um, the good, so you know, you that's the other good news is, did you submit that knowing like, that you wanted to do like a nine or a 10? Or did like you just submit 10. whatever you had? Does that make sense? Yeah. Like a nine or a 10 grade. Like, did you do some sort of pre-work or did you just send I in did. cards you thought would be cool? I did a lot of pre-work because like I went through my entire collection and from when I was younger, like when I was probably 10 years old, so it was about a, a collection that was like 30 years old and I did a lot of pre-work. I probably submitted uh, 40% of my cards. So I definitely weeded out a bunch of cards that just had no business being submitted. Um, but condition wise, I didn't like, I submitted the cards regardless of condition because ah, I had okay. narrowed it down to players. I narrowed it down to like players and cards that would have value based on a particular grade but i knew that i wasn't going to necessarily achieve the desired grade that would be like an eight nine or ten to to really blow the doors off on so i didn't i didn't i didn't end up with many tens i did get quite a few more nines than i thought and i did get i was pleasantly surprised on some 1988 fleer basketball cards that graded a lot better than i thought um so that was a set that actually has some value they graded a lot better than i thought but then i had some other sets like some 1989 Fleer and some 1989 NBA hoops, some 1989 football cards with some rookies in them that they did not grade as well as I thought. So it was Go a mixed bag. Um, what was the worst one? <laughs> oh God, the worst grade was a was a three. <laughs> Kendall texted me over the weekend and he was like, "What uh." what was the worst grade? And I could tell by your reaction that you were like not proud of me, which is totally fine. Um, but it was a Bruce Smith 1986 tops rookie. So it was that green border and it got a three, but dude, I had like, I was disappointed with some like 1992. I had some 1992 upper deck shack rookies that 
in a nine or 10 would have given me like a pretty solid profit. They came back like a five and a six and stuff. Ooh. So I definitely like didn't do, didn't do that well uh, with, with, with a lot of the grades. Um, but it was a good experience. And don't like worry, I said, dude, it was only $12. In, yeah. <laughs> getting it in at the $12 per card level. It was like, it was one of those things where I needed to, I needed to do it. I needed to do it. Yeah. And I, luckily I got it in before PSA closed for, you know, three, four months. They didn't take any submissions. We all know that story, mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. So I was happy about that. Thanks for indulging me with the topic. Uh, if anyone wants to um, drop a comment about that, I'm happy to, to answer. And, I, and like I said, I will plan on doing another video where I'm like going through sort of card by card. You guys can see the cards and everything on that other video. Um, and then, yeah, the other thing I just wanted to give Kendall a shout out on, uh, O'Neill Cruz got called up. Kendall texted yes. me yesterday and said, O'Neill yes. Cruz, we've, we, he's he's been like you know he's like a guy that should join us on the show because we talk about him so much kind of like Caden Clark back in the day. You would but, you uh, would Kendall, uh, you would have to speak Spanish to him. I mean, I could speak a little Spanish if that's what it mean if that's what it takes to get O'Neill Cruz you can on the speak show. Speak it so. speak it to Spanish. Kendall, you that's got so the hookup fun. from you. You got the um, your your buddy is the is the play by play announcer for the AAA team, so he probably yeah. knows the PR person. Yeah. for pittsburgh so he needs to just call the pr person in pittsburgh so we can get o'neill cruz on the show with our phenomenal numbers yeah and i think um super impressive man i am pumped about o'neill cruz being in the major leagues um i i wrote an article about it last night that's going to launch today on just baseball.com um but he he's one of the so i i ended up reaching out to jack last night the play-by-play -play announcer for uh for the Indians, the Indianapolis Indians, which is the AAA team where O'Neill Cruz has been. And I said, yeah, just give me a quote on, give me a quote on O'Neill, you know, that I can use for my article. Um, you're the person who sees him every day. You know, what, what do you got? And he goes, what he can do is, this is a direct quote from Jack McMullen. He said, what he can do is different than what anyone else can do in the big leagues. He's got the chance to hit balls harder and farther than anyone else, which is impressive first off. Have a stronger throwing arm than anyone else and swipe 20 to 25 bases. If the stars align, the level of intrigue the level of intrigue here is like Tatis or Otani. So, wow. For wow. the hobby, both of those gentlemen have incredible uh, values. So I'm expecting O'Neill Cruz to have some pretty incredible values um, go if he does what he does. You know, I, we saw a brief run before the season started of O'Neill Cruz's value. Um, I think it, it went from like maybe like 140, 150 bucks to like 220 right before um, the season started while he was in uh, spring training because people just loved to watch what he can do. Um and it's weird. It's like this combination, and I say this in my article later, um, but it, I think when I watch him, I see like a combination of young uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. from the Expos. Like I see that in his game. And then I also see like um, Jazz Chisholm in his game. And like both of those guys are like very different, obviously, but just yeah, catalytic, Paul. <laughs> And you didn't like Jazz Chisholm earlier this this offseason. and then that's true. I did think he was. He was regress. in. I had him ranked higher than you did, and then you did give me props because I 
was giving him some love and true he's done better than we thought so o'neill cruz so i've got you know i bought an o'neill cruz uh psa 10 auto bowman Don't you have the blue 2016 one? bowman i didn't get the blue one i just got a regular um re- regular auto not the blue auto but i got it for like 550 or 500 something like that which is since gone down it's probably worth 400 before the call up something like that so uh do i sell based on the hype of the call up or is this a guy that i i hold um Graham, what do you think i'd say wait and see if there is a call up boost and then if you're comfortable selling at that price then go ahead um but I don't know if there's going to be a call-up boost for O'Neill Cruz just because I think the people who are invested in him are, like, invested in him for the long run, if that makes sense. Yeah. I see that. Cool. Yeah, he is a different different type of prospect. There seems to be a lot of hype around him, but I agree, like, you know, not having been, like, a, a top pick and kind of having been in the minors for a while, he is a different type of prospect. So that's good. Mm-hmm. That's good to know. Appreciate it. Uh, if anyone wants to uh, drop any questions about O'Neill Cruz, we, we can we can uh, hit them later in the show. We'll be monitoring the comments. But for now, let's go to our next topic. Um, so one thing that Kendall threw out, and I assume that this had something to do with uh, with Krim as well. Chase Krim yes. joining us from Texas Roadshow Cards is alt, alt, and what it means for sports cards. So I'm gonna let you guys. Uh, why don't Krim, why don't you jump in and kind of give us an overview of alt and, um, let's, let's talk about what you guys are doing on alt and what it means for like what impact it's having on the sports card, you know, investor part of the hobby right now, because it's, I've joined alt. I have an account on alt, but it is not a marketplace that I Mm -hmm. have participated in just yet. So I really want to learn and I want our audience to learn from you guys about, about alt and kind of its place so chase why don't you uh why don't you take Um, it away here i'll start with this i am in no way affiliated with alt or any other marketplace anything um i just love things that doesn't pay your bills is doing alt does not pay my bills no that would does, be Jimmy at Kentucky Road. Does Jason Terry pay your bills? <laughs> Jason Terry will also not pay my <laughs> No matter how many uh, 8x10 autos I had to sign, it will probably not pay the bills. <laughs> um, what was that? I was going to ask you if he showed you his championship tattoo. No, dude, I forgot about that until afterwards. And I was like, dude, I should have had him like take a picture of him like flexing, uh, flexing. Um, with it. Dang. But no, um, he was also he was also a really nice guy. But alt, um, so I think the coolest thing about alt is you can take a slab right here, take a picture. You can take a picture of a slab, and then it immediately goes to um, recent sales of that slab. Which I I don't know how that works. To me, that's just crazy. And I know there's like other people that are doing that now. Um, but so alt, I like alt because it will show recent sales. And if there are no sales, um, so for instance, on this Dirk, I have a Dirk Galactic from 2016. There's no sales of this in the past two years. Um, what alt does is if there's no sales on a slab, now we'll say this is a slab, so it's not raw cards. 
Um, so what it'll do is Alt has like their value that they would place it based off of other Dirk slaps in its pop count, uh, which I really like. Um, and you can see like it tracks daily, like a graph, like just like stocks. Even if there have been no sales, it's like this is what we think the card is, which sometimes I can be off. Um, but like it shows I've used it. If I have like a rare card out of 10, out of 25, a one of one even, it kind of puts me in a ballpark to get a deal done. That's good. Uh, yeah, so I started, you you raised it to me, um, I guess about a week and a half ago, and you were like, hey, are you using alt? And I said, no, I, you know, I've seen the advertisements for it on my social media feed and stuff like that. Um, but there's so many apps like this yes. that are coming out in the past two years. You know, like if you go, if you went to the national last year in Chicago, which Krim, did you go? I did not go. No. So um, neither did Paul, but basically like when I, when I was walking around, there's like sections and there was like the local card shop section and then there's the breaker section and then there's like the autograph section and like this there's this other section that's just like startups almost <laughs> i don't know how to explain it mm -hmm. but there's like this other section that's just like this randomness um and when you walk through there it was just like tons of people trying to get their thing off the ground like i remember we met and we met a booth called card seer which they were basically trying to do uh, a little bit of what Alt does, more more what Center Stage does, um, and there I know there's some other apps that do that too, where you you can just take a uh, mm -hmm. take a picture of any card, raw or not, and it'll show you the recent eBay sales. It's not a perfect science, but it does help sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, but what's particularly different about this, and when I uh, when I dove in with you, um, first off, I like that they have a mobile. Um, they have like a mobile presence and they also have a uh, um, like a desktop desktop feature yeah. as well. I, I like really working off of comp um, stuff on desktop more or less. Mm -hmm. um, for some reason, I just feel like it's more official. I don't know. Yes. Maybe that's just me just being. No, I feel that because with market movers, I like better on desktop. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. And so I think. No, go ahead. Get your first month for only one dollar using the promo code. <laughs> no options all lowercase. Yeah, and um, so I started using Alt, and I was presently surprised though. Like, if you had told me like, "Oh, they just do slabs," I'd have been like, "Oh man, it's probably," you know, I just would have assumed that it wasn't from like I wasn't mm -hmm. going to enjoy it. But as I looked at it, I was like, "No, this is actually the data I really want to know because if I'm honest with myself." Anytime I'm investing in something, I want it to be a PSA 10. You know, and usually I just can't afford the PSA 10 of it. Uh, but if I have one, I would rather know that. So, and I do like how, for instance, I'm big and uh, I have a big portfolio so far of Indy Rodriguez, who's a Pirates prospect who's coming up. Um, not a lot of people know about him. I think he's going to be amazing. Go ahead and go out and buy some. It's going to be worth it. Um, but Indy is not on most platforms. Um, and alt does have something on indie but what i liked when what you spoke to already is it they didn't have my particular card but they gave a guesstimate based on mm. other sales uh what that card was potentially worth um and i thought that was that was pretty neat so yeah and i think that's the that's the main reason why i love that um 
compared to other like tracking uh apps uh i will say like when i go to, i go to quite a few shows i do most of my buying in person at shows and other than ebay sales that's the only thing i've seen sellers use comp like actually to use for comps it's ebay sold filter and alt which that the alt really popped up at the last dallas show there was multiple sellers just like basing comps off of that and then that's when i texted you i was like dude alt might be on to something so i like alt for like comping stuff i haven't used it as like an actual place to buy or sell yet um and i think i i like to use alt and market movers together i like to use market movers more for research um just trying to find trends that that might be unnoticed trying to find good buying opportunities and then when i'm at a show and let's say i use market movers and i'm like i want to buy some magic johnson i think magic johnson's really underpriced which i do believe that i think i leave every show with a magic Johnson. you're not just card. saying that are you <laughs> no i'm not i literally leave every show with the, with the last three <laughs> and crim watches these shows magic paul johnson. so you he knows how much you love magic johnson <laughs> i do I, I love so, Chase Krim now. So so I like <laughs> to use good. market movers and alt together. Like market movers helps me find like buys and then alt helps me like capitalize on like getting the best deal I can at a show. So very cool. Very cool. So, all right, let me ask you this on alt. I've seen that something unique that hit me right away is that uh, other than their nice user interface with like their liquid assets page that kind of uh, that are listings of cards available to purchase, um, other than other than the fact that it's very clean and user friendly, mm -hmm. I the thing that strikes me is they have a for sale price, but then an alt value listed mm -hmm. for every card. So is is the alt value? Uh, has anyone double checked the alt value? Like, does that mean that you can actually go sell this card on other marketplaces or on alt? like, it, it's obviously not like where you can sell this card on alt for that price because you're literally buying it on alt for a different price. But what I assume that that means is that alt has this value placed on this card based on other sales on different marketplaces recently or at least they're projecting a number based on recent sales on other marketplaces. Mm -hmm. Because like, for example, I'm looking at uh, like the first four cards on alt right now, the, the alt value is all higher than the buy it now price mm -hmm. for each card. Um, now it's not until you get down to the next row where a Spencer Torkelson uh, card is, actually less the alt value is less than what you buy it for so what's your guys experience with what those numbers mean specifically i think um, it's trying to show you that the that this card is undervalued on the platform yeah i think they try so, to put that in front of you like hey this is a good deal right here because like at the top it's always like that for me i don't know if it's like that for y'all as well but yeah yeah and then the other, um, well, the other thing I like about it is if you go to market trends and, and Karim, I don't know if this is what you were talking about, maybe using how you use market movers with all, uh, maybe you could walk us through mm -hmm. a little bit of your process real quick, but I do like that. 
this is a little bit card ladder-esque and i know it's like um mm-hmm. a little sacrilegious for me to mention card ladder on the show because i'm always mentioning market movers but <laughs> you know what? card ladder does have like some interesting data around um like some tr- they, they've got like the card ladder index they've got player mm-hmm. player um individual player indexes and things like that so with the market trend indexes, do you use those on on either alt or market movers or anywhere? Like, how do you how do you use like maybe sport? Because I, I see sport related indexes. They've got mm-hmm. basketball, baseball, football, soccer, ho- uh, hockey, and Pokemon. Um, and it, as well as player indexes. Anything you're using those for? So what I would like. So I, this is why I like market movers. Is you can select multiple cards, uh, multiple players. And yeah. put them up on one graph and see how they compare against each other. I don't think there's a way to do that on alt where you can have like multiple cards on one graph. I could be wrong on that. Uh, so please correct me. But that's why when I was talking about like my approach before show, I like using market movers for that reason. That's just letting you know, like, that's how I do it. Um, say I compare like a Magic Johnson card to a Michael Jordan to a Larry Bird card. And it's like, I think these guys are all the same. I can see like, oh, Magic Johnson's trending down for whatever reason compared to Bird and Jordan. I'm going to buy Magic Johnson or that can go for any one of the three. That's how I like to do it going into a show. And then again, I like using all um, kind of on the fly if I can't find comps for anything. Cool. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, all right. And then, yeah, in terms of market movers, uh, using that tool, I mean, it definitely, ha- all these tools have their own like sort of pros and cons and mm-hmm. um, market movers, in all seriousness, audience, if you haven't subscribed and you're interested in what Chase is saying with market movers, it would help us out if you use the promo code no offseason. You get your first month for only $1 at marketmoversapp.com. And then TOA um, is so far our number one um mm-hmm uh commenter on the show great work Toa. we love having you having you uh watch and, and participate uh is saying that he's heard market movers is going to have a similar feature like center stage soon uh you mentioned you guys each mentioned center stage a minute ago do you have any comment or thoughts on toa's uh toa's comment here and i will actually reach out to my contact at market movers just to see as well if if they if they can comment on this as well and then i'll, I'll post it back in the comments on this show I mean, I would much rather use a bigger uh, database than probably Center Stage has. Um, Center Stage doesn't always work because it seems like it's like a. It, I mean, it seems like it's a startup. You know, it's a. It's a. It's a. It's an MVP. It's a minimum viable product, um, and it's really helpful and useful. And I think it could be really great, but. I could see it being bought out by other things and there's other people that are doing similar things. So it just depends on who's going to have the money to make it look the best, I think. Um, but Krim, I, I, do you, um, and I, I don't know if you're allowed to say this or not, so mm. I don't want to get you in trouble, but do you guys use alt when people are bringing cards to your shop to sell? Um, so far we have not used alt to comp stuff that comes to our shop. Um, so I've mainly, seen you in action before and, you yeah. know, people hand you these cards and they're just like, you know, I just, first off, I don't understand people that sell at, at, at card shops, you know, like, so yeah. 
<laughs> you're getting yeah. like a fraction of the value but uh True. but i do understand how it's a quick transaction and you can do it for store mm -hmm. credit so um but you don't have to speak on that i don't want to get you no i can answer um so usually the stuff that comes in the shop great so we've only been open for a week and i've had like another week of in-shop training at kentucky um but so this is only two weeks of, of data but usually the only stuff that comes in the shop is 80s and 90s junk which is just like yeah. a whole different segment for a different day um or it's just like super liquid stuff that like you can look up on ebay and it's like there's tons of sales of it like a like a luka Doncic base rookie prism like i don't really i guess it would be easier if it's like graded to look at alt first but we've just been using ebay just because it's like we know this is on ebay it's super easy like you know but we haven't yet but we should probably <laughs> there you since go. we can just take a picture yeah. and be like okay here's the value well, it also would matter if they're bringing in slabs, I guess. I didn't really yeah. think about that. We get a lot of raw cards too, which is fine. But is it is it alts like dream to stay in slabs, or are they going to move into alt? Do you know anything about that? I don't know. I can say we've been reached out to. Now, this is some insider information. Roadshow Ooh, been spicy. reached out to by a marketplace. I'll leave it at that. Um, <laughs> that kind of only deals in slabs about being like a raw, like they want to get into raw cards, but they want to like have like local pickups for raw cards. They don't want to like keep all that where at their headquarters or whatever. Um, so they've reached out to us about like, hey, people send you these raw cards, you keep them, you do the shipping we take care of literally everything else and then you get a percentage. So I think, I think I say that because I think the goal, it should be granted. I don't know anyone at all. You think the goal is to always, you know, continue your product into like the next best thing. And I think raw cards is that right. Yeah. But granted, they also probably don't want to deal with like counterfeits and fakes and possibly getting sued because, a fake card gets sold on their site for like hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know, but yeah. Yeah. So I think it's pretty fascinating that data is coming in, you know, sales are happening on all these different platforms and data is coming in from all these different platforms. And um, there's been some chatter on some other podcasts about like, who's going to aggregate data from all the different platforms. And I know that card ladder does, has done a pretty good job of that. Uh, to a certain extent my only beef with card ladder is that they just don't have the cards that i'm looking for ever mm -hmm. like i'm i'm looking for like just even contenders rookie autos yeah and they, they don't have any of them i literally them. texted kendall so last just, night and for our next topic i was looking at um contenders rookie autos and they weren't on market movers or card ladder and i'm like kendall yeah, it's pretty frustrating cards on and they're huge players it's yes. not like we're trying so, to look at like kellen mond or whatever so so I'm gonna plug I'm gonna plug the sports card investment report because I, I do that every episode and I think this is the perfect time because what we're doing at the sports card investment report at no offseason, we're not we're we're not pulling in the live data feeds and letting that be the product. We're we're ranking the players 
And then within the players, when you upgrade, we're ranking the cards. And the cards we feel like we're ranking are the most investable cards. And within those most investable cards, we're then showing the sales data. So it's almost like, I think that these these tools are great for people like Chase Krim and Kendall McKee, who are like experts in this field of wheeling and dealing in person as well as online. They know what they're looking for and they know how to find this data. And we look at tools like Alt, it's just another tool that helps geniuses like these two guys actually get to where we're to where they want to go. But in terms of like, I think anybody spending five hundred to fifteen hundred dollars a month on sports cards that has a has a different full time job but still wants to profit from cards, uh, the sports card investment report is kind of is kind of reverse engineered the alts and the and the card ladders and the market movers of the world, and we're basically saying like. Go player, then go cards. Well, really go sport, player, cards. And then we're going to show you some data and we're going to show you the play. And so that's my long-winded way of saying like we are taking in data right now from my slabs, from market move from eBay, which is basically eBay's only market movers is only taking it really in from eBay, as far as I know, even though they do a great job of that. Um, but we're also doing PWCC marketplace auction results. And then we're trying to incorporate like alt as well. And then even look at card ladder and like look at where card ladder is getting their data from and then take that as well. So what we're trying to do is on the most investable card basis for the best athletes, take in the data from all these different platforms, because within that there should be arbitrage, right? Like there should be, there should be the ability for, for somebody to do the research on nooffseason.com as a subscriber and for us within the play section to be able to tell them you can actually buy this card on my slabs and you can flip it over on alt or you can buy it on alt and you can flip it over on eBay or you can buy it on PWCC and flip it on eBay or whatever. So I think like uh, that's something that I'm fascinated by and it's not something that's going to happen overnight, but I think it's just monitoring all these platforms, I guess is my point is, is kind of the key to being able to do that. So um I mean, I think this is a really cool, uh, a really cool topic. Uh, let's take some comments here. So Toa says he agrees with that about card ladder, um, and this will be a good segment into our our next um, our next topic. We're gonna take some audience questions in our next topic. Uh, RPO Sports Card shout out. You've been commenting on our content and uh, hit me up in a Twitter DM. So I appreciate that. I love the action. Uh, they say morning fellas never use market movers, but really like the strategy that Chase is talking about of pairing the two together. So we appreciate that. He's going to the Dallas show in July. Chase, are you going to be there? Yes, I will be there. I, would, I don't think Roadshow will have a booth at the July show, but me and, me and Cody will definitely be walking around. Nice. So come see us, RPO. Right. Yeah, RPO's exactly. a, he's a friend of mine. He's a, uh, like we've been chatting on Twitter. And uh, he is an Aggie as well, Krim. So phenomenal, mm. phenomenal. Um, so before we get into our next uh, actual topic, let's take some audience questions. So Toa was asking, um, were any of you around to experience the first time Tops came out with Bowman first? And then interested to hear about the hobby's thoughts about what it means for football and basketball. We're always happy to talk about this. Kendall and I have talked about it on um, recent shows. And Chase uh, has um, not. So let's give Chase kind of the first uh, <laughs> first take on this one. 
Mm, 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 mm. Are we talking about Herbert and Burrow or the no, Bowman? We are about to, we, we are about to talk about um, we're about to talk about Herbert dude, and Burrow, but, when, this but is, uh, the this is what first, I was yeah. doing around that time. So what was that? Was that like 2012, 2013 around that time? To Trout Trout has a first Bowman, right? Uh no, he has oh. a rookie card Bowman Chrome. Okay. So that was like that was like twenty. I mean, he does, but it's not. It doesn't have a. F- it, yeah, it's hard to explain. So I was like around 2010, 2012-ish, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. So this is what I was doing around that time. More so, my brother and his friend, because I was pretty little at the time. Yeah, I didn't have any school money or something. <laughs> but yeah, so we would go to spring training, and my brother and his friend would look up cards that we would get signed on Bur- on Burbank uh on Burbank site or on Burbank's eBay and you could find like first bowman of these like guys that you <laughs> we just wanted to get autographs that like they're like 10 cents 50 cents yeah. um and so that's my experience with that is just buying paper first bowmans on Burbank's site <laughs> um for like 50 cents of these garbage players that we just wanted to get signed i believe um, 2014 training. was the first year that had the mm-hmm. official first logo mm-hmm. but even then we saw like how it took a little while for the bowman first mm-hmm. product to be something like and that's something that i we've discussed on uh our just baseball um cardboard connection show is that it's just um, there, there's values underneath like a 2016, 17 threshold that just shouldn't be there. Manny Machado should not be as cheap yes. as he is. Yeah, you know, like there's just um, Carlos Correa should not be as cheap as what he is. But Carlos Correa, for instance, comes out of that 2013 set, so it's like a one year before that Bowman first mm-hmm. starts. Um, and so really before that, it was the rookie cards that were really valuable. And so I keep thinking that we'll see a trend towards you know um eventually those like bowman first chrome cards that i mean obviously like they're still their first chrome card Mm -hmm. but they don't have that logo because they hadn't really gotten to that little system yet so uh i still think that we will see a pop in those eventually um so if you're gonna go buy some korea autos go ahead and do it um but i i 100 percent agree with you I was gonna mention that later on in the show on a different topic, but <laughs> good. Well, you can bring it back yeah, up later. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah, bring bring it back up later because I think it's a great um, it's a great question by Toa and it's a great uh, response by both of you. I, I wasn't thinking as much about that, so I'm glad you guys brought it up. Like the potential play of going back and being like, okay, we already know this guy. We already know his major league career. It looks like his first Bowman is completely underpriced compared to some prospect first Bowman's over the last few years. So why not go back and buy that card? Because it's almost like, God, I'm going to date. I'm going to date myself. Kendall hates when I do this, but <laughs> in back to the future part two, when oh, God. The, Alm- the almanac from the <laughs> <Yes>. future, <laughs> Kendall always freaks out. Uh, anyway. So I feel like it's almost of our version of that because like we already, we know the guy's career, like we have his almanac, mm-hmm. but yet here sits this Bowman first from years ago that costs less than Bowman first from guys that we really don't know anything about from, from just the last few years. So I think it's pretty, pretty cool topic. Um, all right. So 
we'll go into more audience questions right now. Now, these are coming, both of these are coming from the Facebook group. And before we get to Herbert and Burrow, Chase, we're going to, we had another one come in from a loyal uh, Facebook group member, Deborah Roberts. I'm going to give her a shout out for this question. She actually just asked it, I think, yesterday. So I want to try to get it in. She noticed a big pricing difference in a couple Mahomes RPAs. And I just kind of wanted to bring them up on the show and get your guys take because, um, and if anyone um, watching live right now wants to chime in with their experience on this, please do. Here, here's basically what I think she's asking. So there's a, there's a couple different out of 99 RPAs for Mahomes um, that she's comparing. One went for six figures on golden auctions and it happened to be, um, a gem mint nine, five BGS, uh, which I, which I believe would have been a true gem mint. So it would have had all four nine, five subgrades. I, I believe, I don't know the exact card she's talking about, but I'm, I'm almost positive. Then there was a, a different RPA out of 99 that she referenced in the Facebook post. That's the sports card strategy, Facebook group that sold for just over $3,000. That was a BGS nine, and I believe a nine auto, but they're both, I think her question is like, they're, they're both out of 99. Why is, why is a nine selling for that much less like four, four figures than a six figure card that was a nine five. I'll give you my reasons. What I found, even though we don't have these exact cards in front of us, she did reference the card numbers. So the one card she referenced, if you guys want to look these up, feel sure. free. If not, if you just want to go off the top mm. of the dome, that's totally fine too. The one that she referenced that was the six figure card was a number 161 on the back of the card. That appears to be an NT, a national treasures. I believe it's a national treasures colossal. It's part of the rookie colossal signatures. Um, and then the second one that she mentioned that's was the a, nine five. That's the nine five, and that one she's she's saying sold for one hundred and sixty eight k on golden on April thirtieth. Then there's there's a jump. There, she's saying there's a jumbo materials number eight portrait version that has RJB PM on the back. But I think Deborah, you might have got that one wrong. I could be wrong, but when I do an eBay search of that card, it's actually an immaculate, and it's not an NT. So. And I do see like uh, a car, like I don't see a sale for that, but I haven't done that much research. But I do see like one that's graded an eight, and the and the and the auto is a nine on that one. And so my answer, without having all the details, would be a a true gem mint with a ten auto, a two true gem mint nine five with a ten auto, could mean the difference. Definitely between an eight, potentially between a nine. I don't know how you guys feel about this, but also there could be something about the NT that's more desirable than the Immaculate when it, when it comes to that. But you guys have been in the game longer than I ha than I have. What do you do? You think I'm on the right track, or do, what, what would you add to to answer Deborah's question here? I'm gonna toss this one to Krim. I don't really deal with RPAs that much, considering baseball and soccer is my wheelhouse and RPAs are not as popular in either one of those sports as they are in football. So take it away, Krim. Um, so yeah, you're definitely on the right track uh, with RPAs. There's 
a number of things that can cause that price difference. Uh, for one, if this is a National Treasures versus Immaculate, um, National Treasures is just king in football. That's just how it is. It costs 2021, it costs 4K a box. Immaculate, I'm not sure what 21 Immaculate costs, but I'm, I'm assuming it's around like the $1,500 range. So you have a box that's 2.5x the cost. Um, so that causes a price difference. Um, again, people just love chasing national treasures. It's the king of the hobby, right? Uh, and then you have, you know, the patches could look different. The NT patch could be like this crazy three color or a logo patch. The immaculate could just be a white patch. That's like, like it's hard to say the right answer without having the cards in front of you, but it could be a number of those things. Different set, different patch. Um, like it could be the true NT. It could be like the flagship National Treasures RPA versus a non-flagship RPA of Immaculate. So that could also be a factor. Um, but yeah, Paul, you're kind of on the right track with all that. It's hard to say without the cards in front of me. But and then as you said, the true gym might not seem like a big difference on like smaller cards. But when you're talking about like a five-figure card that that a true gym versus just a gym is going to be a big difference. Yeah, I think um, Deborah, you know, if when you are listening to this, whether it's live or uh, or later, um, we've had extensive um, talks about this Patrick Mahone's stuff because she's she's trying to figure out how to sell an uh, a a really high valued. Patrick Mahone's card. Um, that's kind of where a lot of her research is coming from is that it has invested interest and she doesn't want to sell mm -hmm. her card at the $3,000 level. If she has a 16 or a, a $165,000 card. Um, Deborah, I also would point out that I, I don't believe your card is autographed. Um, so I believe that yours is a out of five patch um, national treasures Mahone's, which is a phenomenal card. But if you're if you're comparing it to um, RPAs, I would compare it just to relics. Um, just try to look up relic Patrick Mahomes National Treasure cards rather than autos, because um, that auto is going to add a significant difference in price to it. Um, yeah, design game worn, player worn, and not used in any other game. Yes, uh, all that stuff adding on. Um, uh, yeah, on card or sticker yeah. is definitely a big difference as yeah. well. We don't really see that in baseball as much, um, just because there's just actually our friend Sean uh, Krim. He talked to us a couple weeks ago in our in our uh, in our soccer group chat about how like he was specifically looking for on card autographs mm -hmm. of U.S. men's national team players, and there's just not any. Yeah, I think it was a Tim Weah. He said yeah. that just like there's there's like three <laughs> and trying to find one of those like leading up the world cup hype is just going to be like, like, but it's a, it's a, it's a any. thing that like I found out when, when there's like the most insanity in the marketplace, like when euphoria in terms of like market cycle of emotions, when euphoria is out there, people are just snagging things. Like it doesn't mm -hmm. matter if it's on card, doesn't matter if it's sticker. It doesn't matter if it's national treasures or if it's uh, a leaf, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like people are just like, Oh, it's a Tim way auto. And I think that's <laughs> how the world cup's going to be. 
I think that, that's something is, that I've talked about. Is it going to be as insane as Joe Burrow in February? No. No, it's not. And you know who sold his Joe Burrow in December? Let's go. Let's go, dude. <laughs> hey, it happens to the best of us, Kendall. It's happened to me quite a bit as well. I just fully did not believe that Cincinnati was going to go very far. Yeah. yeah I was like, yeah, this is sure. it. This is peak Joe Burrow. <laughs> God. Well, so I hope you I hope you talk about Tim Way 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 on the soccer card strategy show at some point if you haven't already. I don't think you have, but uh, that would be interesting. Um, you have done an amazing job on the soccer card strategy show, though. So keep up the good work. Um, and uh, Chase just mentioned Joe Burrow, so that's a great segue into our. Other audience question from Facebook that we're going to pull for today's show. Nicholas Cotter, thank you for joining the Facebook group at Sports Card Strategy. You can get the quick link at sportscardstrategy.com. And Toa has said in this chat that he's joining, so we can't wait to see him there. I'm going to accept his request right after the show airs. But Nick asked a basic question around, he'd like to have some insight as to why He's his seeing Herbert rookies go for more than Burrow rookies, especially in optic and prism. He says, am I wrong? And am I missing something? And card prices change every day. So I want to get your guys take on this, but in these two guys case related to prism and optic base. Now I will say at nooffseason.com, our focus is not on these base cards. Our focus is on, much more investable cards than these. Now, not that you can't make money on these cards. You definitely can. But I just think there's not a whole, there's a smaller margin for error on these cards. I think that like you, in order to really make money on like flipping these base PSA 10s, for example, of Optic and Prism, you have to like really time the market to buy low and then sell high right away because basically they have a price and they're going to always kind of be that price. But when I look at the difference between Burrow and Herbert, I actually see Burrow is slightly outselling Herbert for both optic and prism based PSA 10. So I don't know, maybe I'm getting something wrong. Maybe I'm not sure where Nick's looking and where I'm looking, but uh, what do you guys see when it's related to um, Burrow and Herbert? And I guess what would be your take on, you know, those two guys against each other? Um, Let's start with with our guest co-host Chase Krim on the on the comparing the two quarterbacks value. That that's interesting you say that the base optic and prism is that what you said? Yeah. Of Burrow is more than Herbert because well, I tried to look at contenders auto rookie autos on card ladder market movies, <laughs> but they weren't on there. <laughs> we know they don't, know don't exist. Burrow is in the uh, whatever. Um, but I looked at it on all and Herbert contenders autos are outselling Joe Burrows by like $2,000. And that's okay. crazy to me. It's kind of upsetting because I have a huge Joe Burrow card. Um, and it, it doesn't make sense to me. I have a theory and it kind of explains why the autos of Herbert are more than the base or like the autos of Herbert outsell Burroughs, but the Burroughs base outsell Herbert's. And I think, I think so when all their football cards came out, right? 
Herbert was like the guy to get because Burrow had just torn every ligament in his knee. Um, so I think Herbert has had more time to reach like the peak. Um, so there's more people buying Herbert like all the way up. And so there's going to be more people kind of guarding his prices. Like no one, there's a lot more people in Herbert because they could get in earlier. Um, or they wanted to get in earlier because they're like, okay, this is clearly the guy. And so I think that's why his high end stuff is outselling Burroughs just because there's more people's had more time to buy his stuff. Um, now I was buying Burroughs high end stuff after he destroyed his knee, but I'm probably, I'm definitely in the minority on that. And so I think that's, but you see Burroughs had more success. And I think that's why his base stuff's, um, higher because that has his base stuff has more like impact like on actual like ability like he just went to the Super Bowl his stuff's going to be higher in theory right I think that's right for the base stuff I think for the high end stuff there's a number of different reasons like like people bought in high on Herbert at the beginning and I think that's why his high end stuff is more expensive if that makes sense i could be completely wrong on that that's just kind of a theory that i have yeah I, it's all it's all based around a uh an element of where you could buy into these players um you know when you when you think about it, it cram you're i think right on and when i when i look at this i think about my world of investing in in other assets and when you talk about floor price or or initial price where you could get into something burrow's uh floor price where his investors or his most committed fans like for you for instance were getting in they were getting it at a much different price level than they were at a burrow i mean at a uh herbert herbert and so like we we've just mentioned the market cycle of emotions um just uh you know, 20 seconds ago. And Paul, I don't know if you want to Google that, but there's an awesome uh, graphic just so if you Google market cycle of emotions and it's basically off of uh, like real world investing, but it totally applies to sports card investing. But you see like this hoop and then a, a hoop and a holler, you know, like, <laughs> and then uh, I think with Burrow, you're still seeing those same um, increase increasing uh, increments, but they just started from so much of a different place than they did um, almost exponentially different than Herbert. And I think when it's all said and done, um, Burrow probably will be the better quarterback and have better stats. Uh, I'm willing to go ahead and say that last year on a podcast, I called him the new Tom Brady. Um, you know, like I think he's got that sort of mentality. Um, but I know that's saying a lot, by the way, uh, and I, I'm still willing to stand behind that. But I also would say I think geography plays into this a little bit. Um, if you look into where these players are from and you look at their average index of fans, um, the, L.A. Is, is a strange franchise right now. And I don't know if there's that many committed L.A. fans in general. <laughs> but if there are LA committed fans, they're probably in the immediate area, which means I don't know if you know anything about the cost analysis difference of living in Cincinnati, Ohio, rather than LA. But I've just just looking at those average indexes of what that fan base makes on an average basis. 
the average cost of living for an LA fan is much different than a, than a Cincinnati fan. And I think even a memorabilia does play a little bit into that because, and I, and I don't know how far that goes, but when I look at other sports as well, you see that as well. You see Dodgers cards are just astronomically different than Cincinnati Reds cards, even if their stuff is, is, is the same, you know? And so, um, that thought is not fully fleshed out, but I would wonder if the average income of the consumer or of the uh, of the geographic area of the franchise plays into this at all. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I agree with both of you guys. Um, I mean, Krim kind of talking about the hype cycle uh, really never wearing off for Herbert. Like there was no, there was there was not a catastrophic injury. Um, and there was for Burrow. I mean, Burrow's just been up and down, right? So, Kendall, when you talk about the circuit, the cycle of market emotions, there's pessimism, skepticism, optimism. That's when you start to see the behavioral buy. Then it gets to euphoria. And so I feel like um, there's been more pessimism and skepticism for Burrow than there has at all for Herbert, which I think would explain like what Chase is saying about the higher end Herbert buy uh being so much different than the higher end burrow uh buy meaning like mm-hmm. herbert outselling burrow i also think that's where kendall your point about the market size plays in i also will add that the optimism for herbert coming into this season talking to guys like andy Kaysen from football card quest who many of you know from the sports card strategy show and the football card strategy show andy's talked a lot about herbert and uh, in regards to the moves that the Chargers made in the offseason to bring in, I think, guys like Khalil Mack, they appear to be kind of trying to do what the Rams did last year, uh, but do their own version of that with more of a youth movement. So I think there's a lot of people following the NFL close like Andy does, thinking, okay, Burrow was last year and who's going to be this year? And I think when you combine that with like the hype that Chase spoke about Herbert coming in at and really not ever going down from that um continuing to play well uh throughout you know both of his first two nfl seasons and being a high draft pick and an amazing athlete he's one year younger than burrow i don't know if that makes a huge difference but i think maybe the team that he's on and what his team is projected to do next year this upcoming year rather versus what burrow's already done i think that a lot of savvy investors are looking at that and then i think it does make sense like what you guys are saying on the lower end cards like the base optic and prism psa 10s we consider them lower end cards at nooffseason.com, even though they're three about two three hundred dollars right now. Uh, <laughs> that's still lower end cards from what we're looking at, and so um, you know it, it would make sense that I think like a uh, somebody with a lower income would invest more in a lower end card for somebody like a Burrow, and somebody who's investing in Herbert maybe wouldn't really want to touch a lower end card because if they're going to really profit off of Herbert. Uh, they're giving themselves more ch- more of a chance. Like if you think about it this way, mm-hmm. if you if you invest in a Herbert contenders uh, rookie ticket auto or even like a serial numbered version of that, Herbert won't have to do much for that card to go up because it's already a high end card. Herbert will just have to have like a streak of really impressive games. The Chargers will just have to start six and zero. He won't have to win a Super Bowl for that card to go up. If he does win a Super Bowl, the card's going to go through the roof. Whereas Burrow, I think now, will have to go 
out, we'll have to come out of the AFC and get into another Super Bowl for his card to go up. I'm not sure how you guys feel about that, but I just think that also plays into it. That's a good point. Um, Kind of like what they've done versus what they can do. Like a lot of people are probably betting that Burrow isn't going to make it back to the Super Bowl. Now, my counter argument to that is that, yeah, the Chargers have added a lot of pieces, but so has every team in their division. Yeah. And granted, yep, I'm that's true. <laughs> I'm going into this very biased. Like, I'm going to admit that, like, Burrow's my dude. I'm not paying more for Herbert than a Burrow. I'm just letting you know up front. But, like, yeah, the the Bengals just went to the Super Bowl. Their division is it's them and the Ravens. The Steelers might be decent, but I mean, who knows? And then the Browns, I'm put sorry, some respect Kendall. on my name. I'm sorry, son. Kendall, but like, is it gonna be Watson? Like, who knows what Watson's like? Who knows what that's gonna be like? Who's your quarterback situation? And the AFC West <laughs> is just going to be a gauntlet week after week after week. And like, I don't want, I don't. I'm good. Like, you know, I'll just sit on my burrows. I do have a question for y'all. If this is asking for a friend, if y'all had a National (laughs) Treasures Joe Burrow RPA and a VGS 9.5, what would y'all do with that card? Cross it over. Uh, I I mean, (laughs) I'm not going to cross over that card just because I don't want to lose value on getting a 9. But yeah. But so do I, I'll do answer I that. sell? Do I hold that card? Like that card's massive. I would. So I'll answer that question and I'll also kind of weave in my conclusion to the topic at the same time. So I think that would I buy, would I spend more on, on Joe Burrow than Justin Herbert? And I think this goes into the answer, me answering your question also, Chase. So if it depends, it all, one thing I don't think we've talked about in this answer is it, it does depend on your window, right? Like, are you looking at, are, are you going to look at, sell, when are you going to want to sell the card that you're buying or in your case, the card that you already have? And, and I think this is where Burrow having already gone to a Super Bowl actually comes into play. Because I think we see, we see quarterbacks now being talked about in the mainstream media, not just how many Super Bowls they've won, but part of the conversation is always, and they've been to X amount, right? So mm-hmm. going to a Super Bowl now, all of a sudden in recent history, like is 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 an accomplishment. But like I don't think it ever really was when I was growing up. But I think now it is. I think like now being in the Super Bowl is like a really big deal. And so I kind of think of it like, um, in hindsight, say ten years from now, how many Super Bowls will Burrow have gone to, and how many will Herbert have gone to? And Burrow's already up one. And to your point, it's going to be super hard for Herbert to even get to one. So I would say I would rather have Burrow mm-hmm. is my answer um, because there's no guarantee what either of these guys do in the future. Now to answer your question, I would definitely hold it at least until – so I look at things like I like to kind of be liquid within six to 12 months usually after I buy something. That's usually my buying – usually my buying strategy is to like – is to flip it, prop it, and move on mm-hmm. into something else, right? And so I'm going to assume that that's kind of where you're at too. So if I were holding this big, massive burrow card that you're talking about right now, I would actually be super excited to hold it 
every single week of this NFL season for as long as I possibly could. I'd be nervous as hell that he's going to get injured every week because the card is so massive. But even if he does get injured, the, the backup plan is always to just hold it for another year and then he'll come back, which is not a bad backup plan. So I would probably either sell on the hype of this upcoming NFL season because the Bengals are going to be yes. hype. Yeah, I uh, think that's hype. what I'm leaning towards right now. But yeah, that's probably what I would be leaning towards as well. <laughs> when did that's you get it? What I'd be leaning. So I got it. I got it in the off season last year, oh. and I traded it at like a. I tr- the trade in value I got it in was ten thousand. Oh, and bro. it was raw. And you're going to be sitting pretty no matter what you do. And then I was, I was, when I traded for, I wasn't even thinking about getting it graded. And then, so I had it raw and I was just sitting on it. And then January came around and it was like, dude, they're going to be in the playoffs. And I was like, I was like, dude, they got the Raiders in the first round. And then, um, they played the chiefs in the, in the conference finals. Right. Who was they playing in the second round? It was the Raiders. I forgot who they played in the second round, but it was the Raiders and the, a super they beat beatable the Titans. Team. They beat the Titans. 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 And I was like, dude, they can. I can see them easily beating the Raiders and Titans. And I was like, once I saw yeah. that, I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to send it in to Beckett because, like, whatever it gets, like, th- I think they're going to make it to the AFC Championship. Yeah. Because they had Phenomenal. somewhat of an easy I mean, path. Compared to what the Chiefs had to would, go through. But. So why didn't you sell I would it move. when they I, went to the Super Bowl? Um, so I got it back from grading literally like the Sunday before the Super Bowl. And so at that point, I was just like, all right, like like I just got this. I might as well just wait and see what happens. Um, and at that point, I was hinging – after beating the Chiefs, I was hinging my bets that they were going to win. Um so that's the main reason why I didn't sell it then, but also because you like, were gonna wait until after the Super like, Bowl. Like, how do you sell? I don't like. I don't know how to sell that card in the span of a week. Why? You know? Have you ever thought about like sending it to something like Bring pristine? It. Sending sending it to who? Pristine. Um, I'm not too familiar with pristine, but like golden and all that stuff. That's what. Like, sorry, I meant golden. Like it. it like it. T- like. The turnaround window, like they're not getting that up on their site and sold in a week. Does that does that make sense? No, I mean now. Like now? Well, that's the thing. Now now I'm prop so right now I'm going through my LLC process of getting an LLC set up. Um so I've sent all that paperwork in. I'm waiting for that to get that to get that back basically <laughs> for this one card because I want to make sure everything's good, uh tax wise and the IRS doesn't come in chasing me like Dude, you have $150,000 in your bank account. Where did this come from? Um, so I'm waiting for that to come in, and then I'm probably going to sell on preseason hype uh, just yeah. because I don't I don't want to risk losing what I have. Does that make sense? Like That's my biggest card by would, a lot, by a lot. And would, it was something I kind of just lucked yeah. into. And so like I'm not, I'm not hinging my bets anymore on it. I'm just going to take what I got. Yeah. And put it into something else. I think you it's know, smart, like dude. House. I think it's smart. Yeah, that's what I would do. Yeah, what yeah, a massive what card, do. by the exactly way. Golly. Yeah. Well, well done, man. I think you're smart to be thinking. I'm super grateful that you dropped that question to us on the show because I think it's actually really valuable mm-hmm. for the audience to hear this. Like, I think 
even if your card's not as massive as the one that Chase is talking about, I think that like a lot of you probably have cards like this. And just, I think there's certain pockets of time where hype is key to being able to move out of something. And you have to remember these guys get the NFL. Like, I mean, if you've ever played fantasy football, just think of how frustrating it is when your guy, your guys go down all the time. And so, you know, uh, Anani one, Anani one is out here talking yeah. about the knee injury being a concern, dropping calm. I mean, I agree with everything Anani one, Anani one is is saying here in the in the live comments, and so it seems like we're all kind of on the same page. Now, yeah, Kendall, I'm glad that you asked Chase what he got into that card for, but if you're profiting that much, regardless, I would sell on a hype cycle like the yeah. beginning of the season, and and, and then and that's just, like a yeah, good move. point, especially in today's economy, like. I'm willing, like, that's why budgeting is, like, a huge thing for if you're trying to buy and sell cards. Like, like I'm willing to to sit and bet more on a card that's only, like, 5% of my budget. You know, does that make sense? As opposed to something that yeah. is, like, okay, that's life-changing. Like, I don't want to risk losing any of that. So, like, let me so ask you this before we... Today. But yeah. Yeah. So let me ask you this before we move on to the next uh, topic. I want to hit RPO's question. Um, but before we do that, how do you how do you think you are going to sell this card? Like, is this something that you're going to sell on your eBay account? Is this something you're no. going to try to use um, an auction house for? So I think we're gonna just set it out at the national just to see what happens. Like if someone okay, comes up, yeah. But I think our end goal is selling it on PWCC, and the monthly premiere okay. option is what I, is what because I'm into it with my brother, which he got a, he got a really good deal because we were half on. So I saw I traded the Donovan Mitchell and Mbappe I think, uh, card for the the raw burrow and we split those two cards and i'm the one that worked the trade out my brother wasn't even involved in it and so now my brother has half of this card with no work just like half of those two cards put in yeah but so kinda, he, got, he got you this job with true. no work <laughs> true so i should be thankful right no, that's it's, sick, it's a man. nice how things all, always work out, you know. Mm -hmm. Everything, so when are we gonna go halfway on a card that blows up? Whenever I'm down, are you going to the national this year, Kendall? Uh, I, I'm supposed to, yes, okay. that's just where I'll that's where I'll put it, okay. Well, we all need to meet up at the national and figure out how we go three way on a card. <laughs> The Nationals is nuts, dude. Last year, Paul, I started with like a random card. Like me and T, I gave him 750 Panini points. And then I gave me like, uh, oh, a Jason Dominguez uh, paper first nine. So literally they were both almost worthless. Um, <laughs> and I said, all right, we're going to trade up all week and figure out where we're at. And at the end of the week, T ended up with 750 Panini points. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and he didn't do I, anything. No, and I ended up with like a uh 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 1996 86 uh so the 86 Fleer redo in 96. Uh -huh. The decade of excellence, yeah. Yeah, so I I got the decade yeah. of excellence uh MJ uh 
86 remake in a P, uh, CSG 9.5. So that is fun. Okay. That would make good content. That is fun. I want to do that. Can we do that this year? You and I, you're supposed to be going. Can I get in on that that sure. uh, competition? I think I'm actually going to do something exactly like that for myself. I had been talking about the national. I've been thinking a lot about the national. Get Jason and I were Burrow. talking about That's it pre-show. <laughs> I'm going to try to like go in with, with giving myself something really small, or, or or just giving myself something I already have, like shipping myself something from my PWCC vault strictly to take to the national, and then just see what I can trade into off of it. Like I've got a Trevor Lawrence. Uh, panini instant illustrated rookie but it's an sgc gold label sgc 10 gold label and so like i don't know how anyone values that because (laughs) we don't know what trevor lawrence is yet it's kind of a weird card also Mm. but it's a a cool looking card and it's a but it's it's like supposedly one of the top two hardest grades to get um and i got it in my first sgc submission so like um i'm kind of i've just held it um because i just know that i'm gonna get lowballed for it but like bringing something like that maybe not to this year's national because again like trevor lawrence hasn't done anything yet but like if trevor lawrence actually does something i feel like that could be a card to bring to a, something like the national or even like the dallas card show or something like that and just see like what what i could trade into off of it um yeah. but anyway i like so i like that idea all right so rpo sports cards had to bounce. Thank you for joining live RPO. Um, but uh, and he's going to finish the show later today, which all of you should go back and do, even if you're watching live. That would be great. Um, listen to us twice. Why not? Uh, he's going to leave us with a question. Do you all see Dak and CD Lamb as being investable right now? I am biased, but I, I see them having a great year. Uh, I will chime in on behalf of Andy Kaysen here, because Andy Kaysen and I are aligned. We've had some We've had some conversations about who the top investable quarterbacks are. And uh, Kendall, you probably recall Andy dropping some uh, data about the Dallas Cowboys on social media. Um, You know, I think Dak is an extremely investable quarterback. I think that just him being in the NFC to the point that Chase Krim made earlier in the show of just going to be super hard to get out of the AFC this year. Um, I feel like Dak is one of the top two guys most likely to come out of the NFC and get into the Super Bowl. Plays for the Cowboys, still young, electric quarterback. Some might even call him catalytic. <laughs> and uh, I just think that Dak is super investable. He's he's high on the sports card investment report at nooffseason.com. Check it out. Uh, C.D. Lamb is not on the sports card investment report at nooffseason.com right now as of yet just because um, – I'm very selective on what wide receivers and running backs I put into the investable category. As much as I would love football to be more about uh, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, et cetera, than just quarterbacks. I mean, the reality is that it's like fantasy football. I mean, the guy, the guy could go down at any given time, even though he doesn't have an uh, injury history. I just think wide receivers Um, have to perform week in and week out like Jamar Chase did last year in order to have that value. Um, Not that CeeDee Lamb can't do it. I think if anyone can do it, he's probably in the conversation. But um, I'm not putting any money into CeeDee Lamb or guys like CeeDee Lamb just because um, 
I don't want to deal with the week-by-week injury worry mm-hmm. and the performance worry. Wide receivers don't get the ball on every play. So, I mean, Dak Prescott, yes, CeeDee Lamb's more of a no for me, but if you like putting your money into some skilled position players and you can find your their cards for less expensive prices, uh, there is room to profit off of guys like CeeDee Lamb. But, uh, Chase, what do you think? Okay. Um, I'll start with CeeDee Lamb, then I'll go to Dak. So one thing that y'all talked about on last week's show is Kendall loves uh, Robert Williams, right? (laughs) Um, Former Aggie, but y'all both agree that y'all probably shouldn't invest on like uh, role players. I think y'all called them fringe players, but role players to speak. I kind of compare wide receivers and running backs to role players in basketball you can make money off them. Like if he would have bought a Robert Williams card last year and sold it last week, you would have made money on it. Like I'm not saying you can't make money on it. It's just a lot of things have to go right for you to profit on it. And it's not the best strategy because, I mean, we all know quarterbacks, like quarterbacks are the king of football investing. They are football investing. Um, there's just so many things that can go wrong, especially for a wide receiver whose prices are already high. Um, same thing with Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. Like, if you want, like, you're not going to buy a role player. Like, you're not going to play, you're not going to buy Robert Williams at peak. You're going to wait until his prices are low. So, like, I don't know a good re- receiver off the top of my head that prices aren't that high. But, like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't buy any of those three guys just because, like, what um paul said they have to they're gonna have to work week in and week out to main just to maintain those prices like the second they have a bad week it's gonna start dipping so i'd probably say no on cd but dak prescott is interesting i am a cowboys fan um i i hate investing in cowboys just because i'm a fan and i'm biased and i always think i'm biased and not that they're good does that make sense? Like, I'm just like, oh, I'm just <laughs> yeah. too biased. Like, that's not how good they actually are. I do think Dak's undervalued, like what we talked about with Herbert earlier. Talking about markets, Dallas Cowboys, NFL, like, we're talking about Dallas Cowboys, New York Yankees, Real Madrid. Like, those are, like, the three at the top of the market. So, like, just based off that alone, his prices are probably undervalued. I remember I got a flawless RPA last year of that for $1,200. And I just thought that was a steal. Um, I will say I'm not feeling too confident about the Cowboys this year, but they've destroyed me so many times. Like I'm just done with them. (laughs) I'm not investing in the Cowboys. I'm not putting any money. I put my faith in them. So I'm not putting any money into them because I'm destroyed year in and year out. But from a non-Cowboy fan standpoint, he is probably undervalued. I mean, first of all, like you have mad discipline because for you to be a fan of a team and then check yourself and be like, man, I'm probably going to overpay for this guy mm-hmm. because he's probably not that good. Like kudos to you. I mean, I think everybody needs to take a page out of that book um, for sure. Because I think, um, I mean, we we obviously the hobby needs people that are going to pay 
for their favorite players and, and the mm-hmm. guys from their prospects from their favorite teams. I mean, that's what kind of drives a lot of what we're doing, what we're all doing. So we applaud people that are spending money on that. But I also applaud people yes. like uh, Chase Krim from Texas Roadshow Cards, who's just saying, hey, you know, I like this team. So as a result of that, I'm not going to spend any money on this <laughs> team. Now, now, for me, I would just say, and Kendall, you can chime in here if you want. Sorry, you haven't answered this question yet. But um, Chase, you know, I thought of something while Chase was giving his answer too. And that is, I think a lot of times we see sales of wide receivers and running backs. And I think the reason why we see sales of wide receivers and running backs are because, this is going to sound really stupid, but let me explain, are because people are pulling them from packs, right? So we see sales as people are ripping boxes and selling them in the secondary market as singles. That's great. But I don't know that that makes them investable. I think what that makes them is that somebody pulled a a Justin Jefferson, a Jamar Chase, a CD Lamb, you know, the list goes on and on of like guys that are, you know, really exciting NFL players that people get get excited about their rookie cards. I think we see I think we see high dollar sales of them when there's a new release and when somebody pulls them out of the pack and I think that that number sticks for a long time whereas I think the more investable players we see more liquidity where there's more sales of the quarterbacks and the reason why there's more sales of the quarterbacks again is because they're the ones that people are that there's going to be margin for the next investor in um, so I think it's a, it can be a little bit confusing for somebody who's um, not that RPO sports cards is this person, but I think that like if you're watching or listening to the show and you're just getting into buying football cards and you're trying to make money off of them, I would say like, yes, you're going to see sales of these people, but that doesn't necessarily mean that there's going to be room uh, for the next sale. Um, I think that that's because that people are excited that it's a new release. It's a player they haven't seen before. It's a, it's a high profile player. Um, WRs and, and RBs are very exciting. And even some tight ends, Kyle Pitts, guys like that. So I think that, um, you know, that's another reason why we see sales of these guys. So anyway, like a Des, a Des Bryant card these days would be mm-hmm. worth would be worth nothing, right? Like, what would you if you walked in with a if you walked into the national with a Des Bryant rookie right now? You you'd probably be walk we'd probably walk out with that same Des Bryant rookie like T did last year. I'm guessing. <laughs> so I think that you need to think of it like that. Um, but um, Anani Anani is is dropping more comments here about uh, just wide receivers. That, he's crazy. He is. He is. You know, he's talking about Jerry Rice, Randy Moss. Uh, how often do guys get to that level? Um, guys can put up the stats, but yeah, they don't. They don't end up having the careers. So, like I know going into last year, you get a Calvin Johnson SP game used. RPA for like 400 bucks that might have gone up since then I don't know I haven't checked but that was a very intriguing play to me because it's like a Jamar Chase rookie auto contenders rookie auto is like going for more than that so I think that might be the play is like wait until they're in the hall of fame eventually I do think eventually there's going to be a receiver or a skill position player in general that will break the mold of investing in um, because like it used to just not it used to not be like anyone, right? And then you see DK Metcalf kind of like oh a lot of people started investing more in DK Metcalf. 
And then it's like next year, it's like Jamar Chase. Oh, people are starting to invest more in Jamar Chase. And like Justin Jefferson's in there as well. So I think we're like steadily getting used to it a little bit. Um, and I do think one day we're going to get there. But right now, I just hinge my bets on the Hall of Fame Hall of Famers if I am investing in position players. While we have you, what do you think of um, this idea that I've had is like, go get a Jerry Rice on-card rookie auto that's been PSA uh, DNA certified but mm-hmm. doesn't have a card grade or that it's, it, maybe it's even Beckett, uh, Beckett witnessed, something like that. And then pay PSA 60 bucks mm-hmm. for the card and auto grade. Um, what do you think of that play? Because you, uh, you do have a difference in, in the market yes. on PSA versus these other these other brands. I know you like doing that, and I just want to say I love that play because there's going to be a lot of PSA 10s out there. There's going to be not a lot of PSA-graded rookie autographed cards of Hall of Famers. So I love that play. My brother loves that play. Like He literally will go to it. I think at the last show, he got a rookie auto of Ricky Henderson and like a PSA DNA slab as a 10, 10. Um, Cause it's just like on those cards from that era, we all know they're mass reduced. Right. And it's like, so PSA 10s kind of distinguish themselves from the rest and like a rookie auto and a slab that's just going to distinguish it any even more to the point where you're going to have the best rookie card of that player. And I think, if any card's going to go up from that player, it's going to be the rookie autograph, right? Yeah. So I, I love mean, that play. so that makes me excited because I think, like, you know, just to add to that, there were no, there were no autograph cards back then. So you mm-hmm. kind of like, on one hand, you can be like, well, you know, Ricky Henderson can still go out and sign a bunch of these cards at this autograph signing, and it could be like this thing where the pop count gets higher. Okay, fair enough. But also there were no rookie mm-hmm. autos back then. So like this debate in the hobby now of like sticker autos versus serial numbers, sticker autos versus yeah. on-card autos. I get it. Like what about, again, taking the Biff Almanac and going, we know Jerry Rice, we know Ricky Henderson. Mm-hmm. What if we could go, is there some arbitrage around like going and getting uh, their best getting card. an on-card auto? Getting well, that's going to be yeah, their, getting best their best card. card right yep yep so. exactly so eric stefano says randy uh randy moss is a buy all day and i would throw randy moss in that same you said calvin mm-hmm. johnson definitely a good call randy moss uh hall of famer um definitely there's going to be some conversation around these guys um as the years go on which uh makes them makes them always have a market we see a lot of these guys still have a good market so um Kendall, do you have anything to add to this particular topic? Any thoughts before we go to our final topic of the day? Um, no, I'm not really interested in investing in Cowboys players. So, uh, <laughs> um, well, that makes two of us. Um, I also don't invest in a lot of teams that I'm a fan of. Um, I have a PC of Rangers cards, but typically it's just a bunch of like paper first, like it's nothing crazy. Like, I don't go and buy, you know, out of five Ranger autos and stuff. Like, I just, 
if I'm gonna go big on somebody, I'm gonna go big on somebody that I can let go of really easily. Mm-hmm. So um, that's typically uh, that's also where I'm at with that, Krim. Uh, and, and in regards to Ceedee Lamb or Dak Prescott, I'd say maybe on a Dak Prescott or and no on Ceedee Lamb, just yeah. straight up. Um, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, but at the same time, I'm not a football person anyway, so I'm I'm not interested in collecting quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Um, and so. Can I add one more point? To nope. This? Oh, dang it. I will say this. Is there a better quarterback buy as far as, like, cost to what it could become? Like, like who has the most to gain? What card has the most to gain on a Super Bowl win? Does that make sense? Like Jacoby Brissett. <laughs> like, if Dak goes out and wins the Super Bowl, I don't think it's going to happen. Or right. else I'd be buying yeah. his cards. What what will happen to his prices? Like we're talking about Joe Burrow going crazy. Yeah, if that's the a Dallas Cowboys quarterback. Yeah. So I think that's why yeah. it's a maybe well, just because off of that alone. But that's a good point, and that's actually a good sort of idea for an article. You know, ranking ranking the the quarterbacks whose whose value would explode the most mm-hmm. should they win a Super Bowl, and I. And off the top of my head, I think you're right. I think I would put Dak number one for all the reasons that we talked about. And that's just kind of a, a good way to think about things. Um, so, yeah, there's some quarterbacks I don't court- think their value would even go up. If <laughs> would Brady's go Bowl. up long term wise? Like, what's another Super Bowl to Brady, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And of course, it's going to depend on the card. Um, yeah. But yeah, for sure. So, all right. So I want to talk about summer sports card trends to pay attention to, and this can kind of go in any number of directions. I think what I was thinking about with this particular topic is just kind of a culmination of a bunch of different things. I think that there's um, a place in the market. I'm, I'm seeing some trends that lead me to believe that some of these cards that Kendall and I have referred to as vintage, you know, I know a lot of people see vintage as like that, pre-1979 and things like that like to me vintage is more like uh anyone who's retired right like anyone (laughs) anyone who's retired um i would say anything before 2020 is (laughs) anything before 2020 anything before the new boom kicked off is vintage like like any like so the 1986 fleer basketball set the ninth you know even you know the there there's sets that are mass produced after that, that people will roll their eyes at. But like, I think that there's, there are cards that people were buying. Like if, even if you look at um, the tops 1989 football, right? Like, pe- like in February of 2021, when things got kind of crazy, people were buying Troy Aikman's rookie out of that set. Deion Sanders, Barry Sanders rookie out of that set for far more than what they go for now. Um, you know, and if you look at, uh, there's a bunch of other examples, uh, from other sports that kind of fit, fit that mold. And I'm, I'm sort of wondering if there's not going to be a trend again this summer where, where if the economy is actually affecting the sports card market in certain ways, um, that those cards, don't become desirable again 
for the sheer fact that the, they're not as while they are some of them are mass produced if you get them in a particular grade to make them stand out a little bit more and become more scarce or something about them maybe maybe it's an insert right like it's 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 an insert from a set that we haven't mentioned yet on today's show um so so my mind's thinking about things like that the other thing i'm thinking about is what's going to be the difference between like this year's national and last year's national uh, or this year's just summer card shows activity at card shops this summer things that are sort of like offline transactions because i think um, and this is coming at it from a different angle from what I was just mentioning a second ago with the vintage cards. I think that like a lot of times people see card sales online and if they're, if they're lower than they were a few months ago, it's like, oh no, the market is crashing. But I mean, the reality is that in the summer, a lot of these transactions are happening face to face at card shows and in card shops um, as well. Like they're not, you know, there's, mm-hmm. there's the national, there's, there's the Dallas card show. There's other, there's the Midwest monster just happened. Right. So you guys both are the perfect guys to answer this. I'm going to let Kendall go first and let Chase just get real excited about his potential answer while Kendall talks. Don't even listen to Kendall. Just think about your answer, Chase. And then, uh, then let, let me know what you think. And you can, you can, you know, poke holes in my theory about the vintage stuff or, you can just, you know, add some color around like what happens in the summer and what do you anticipate happening this summer related to offline sports cards transactions? Uh, I th- Well, in regards to the national, I, I think I talked about it last week, I think, but I don't think it's going to be as, as big as it was previously, uh, specifically because it's in Atlantic City. I think if this year's, was in Chicago again. I think it would be around the same size. Um, but I would just go out and say that I don't think there's going to be the amount of money transacted if there was some sort of like I play FIFA career mode. And when it comes to the different transfer windows, there's like a ticker on the side of like how much money is spent in that window from all clubs. Like that's kind of like just a made up thing that FIFA does because for the game but like if there was a if there was a tracker like how much money has been moved at this at this national i would say that the atlantic city one is going to move uh less money than than chicago's for a lot of different reasons and um there's a lot of different things going on in our country right now that are going to play into that but um another one is the thing that i am intrigued about and this was something that came up uh I don't remember where I was, but um, the, I was doing something in regards to talking about sports cards and about the national. And somebody was telling me, oh, I was I, I, oh, I was actually on loop at um, talking to the Kentucky Roadshow uh, or uh, sorry, the Jacksonville Roadshow guys. Okay. And um, I was just chatting with them. I just drop into anything Roadshow because I know enough of you guys at this point that it's just boring. Yeah, it's just boring. <laughs> so, uh, so I dropped into Jacksonville Roadshow. And I was talking to him, and he was saying that like right across, like Jackson or uh, Atlantic City is like the Las Vegas of the East, or whatever you've heard it termed that. Mm-hmm. And it's also like uh, it's big in Sopranos. So it's like you know, um, so there's like this Las Vegas gambling culture. And I think if there is money that is spent or like I think it would be interesting to see people selling massive cards at 
the national and then going across the street to the casino and potentially Absolutely. exponentially coming back over and being oh, like just true. kidding now i have 800k instead of 100k to uh to potentially spend i that would be the only way that uh that i think we blow out last year's just because of the environment we're in um but paul i don't remember the rest of your question to be fair so uh i don't know where i was going with that but did that answer everything you wanted i think so i mean i just wanted your take on like what would happen this summer at the card shows is there anything that happens at shows and shops that might be useful for the audience to hear from from you guys because we typically talk about player prospecting from all the different sports we talk about ebay sales and uh we typically you know we've talked about the national on the show and then of course having chase on talking about the roadshow uh card shops and everything but you know while while we have him just kind of curious to think about what plays might be out there um yeah that's the all summer particularly that's all cram really um i i okay. do I don't, well, there's not really great shows where I'm at. Um, they're all like um, basketball shows and Tyler Hero only, you know, so. Uh, Kentucky guys. Yeah. <laughs> Kendall's um, in Kentucky. Kendall's mad at Jimmy. Jimmy, we got to get you on here. Uh, Jimmy so doesn't even come Kendall to shows. Square off about, about basketball. It's Trey that goes to the shows. Jimmy is too busy flying to Columbia and yeah. Texas and New York and Cali and. But honestly, like even when I see Trey at shows, he's not buying anything. He's just walking around looking at stuff. Yeah. And so it's just like, I just don't think our shows are that conducive for moving things. Uh, it's just like, it's almost like an antique show. <laughs> honestly, <laughs> like, it's just like, these are my cards. Come look at them. You know, like, yeah. and the Dallas show seems to be like, these are cards I'm trying to move. Yes. You know, and um, I just think it's different. Uh, so I don't really go to shows, really. Uh, I do all my sales on eBay or Twitter or Loop. So, all right. Um, to to dive into the national, and then I'll talk about specific like inserts or sets or like types of cards. I think are play this summer. I think what we're going to see at the national is I think we're going to see a lot of safe plays. Um, I think we're going to see a lot of safe plays. Because everyone's more like everyone's more particular on what how they spend their money now, right? Now I will say that, but I also think like the high end stuff. I think that's going to continue to go up. Like if you're buying hundred thousand dollar cards last year, the economy probably doesn't have that much of an effect on you. Um, if anything, you're probably just buying more because people are probably selling more. So I, th I think high end stuff will continue to go up. I think the lower end stuff will be interesting to see how that plays out if it drops down to because that's who it's that's who's going to be spending less money at the show at the national right is people who people who already weren't spending a lot in cards and now you have inflation the way it is and then we have it the national in atlantic city where you have to get a connecting flight instead of just driving to the middle of the country in chicago a number of factors um, I'm kind of bummed that my first national is going to be in Atlantic City. I'm not going to lie. Because um, like, I hear all this good stuff about Chicago. And and uh, we'll see. Hopefully it's fine. I was, it's going to be I'm awesome. going to be at your first national. So Yes, we're going to be there together. 
hopefully all three of us will get a selfie and it'll yeah, be awesome. Just just DM Aram and ask him if if Kendall's going. Okay. I'll I'll I'll, I'll see what I can do. Be like, hey, Kendall, I'll see Kendall, all right? Like every day. Um but as far as like specific plays are concerned, um so I don't have anything vintage. The oldest card I have is There's a, a bunch of cool vintage booths, man. Yeah. The the oldest card I have is an '86 Jordan and the PSA 10, uh, not PSA 10. I, I was like, whoa! Yeah, that would be different. PSA eight, um, just because vintage has always just kind of been boring to me. If I'm being honest, like I want, mm-hmm. I want to be able to watch who I'm investing in. Like that's just how I am. Yeah. But vintage cards have like always survived. And no matter what crisis this country's gone through, right? Like, as World Wars, Vietnam War, Cold War, whatever you, how many crashes, COVID. I was like, like there's more than wars around. that go on, bro. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, and they, yeah, 2007 still, was pretty bad. 2007, yeah. 2008 was pretty bad too. And yeah. And I mean, they're still, like, I don't no think they're recession proof, but I think Jimmy said it best this week at the, at our shop nothing's recession proof but vintage cards are recession resistant like they've been around for a hundred years like if anything's going to survive it it's going to be those cards yeah Um, so i'm going to be looking at vintage i don't have a specific play in mind but my mind is open to it and my mind's open to researching it more have you ever seen the uh the, the cuban cigar cards no Okay, so this is like a, a an an avenue of card collecting that is nuts. So mm-hmm. there are some super vintage old um, cards that came in cigar boxes, okay. and they're at, like with that even say they're like brown, they're like tinted brown. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had never seen one. We're walking by a booth that literally looks like it's from the History Channel. You know, like it's got like the 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 I, it looks like super official and you're just like what this looks like a museum piece and you look down and there's like these brown cards like this big yeah you know they're like this big and i was like what is this and then arm was with me and he was looking down and he's like no way dude i've never seen anyone other than me have cigar cards <laughs> and he just like inherited a bunch of them because he lives in miami uh, and so, like the Cuban cigar cards were like big down there, and he inherited some from his uh, from his uh, relatives. But that just that alone, seeing that at the national, you're never gonna see that in Kentucky. Yeah, you're never gonna go down to the the freaking Hyatt, uh, wherever the show is, walk in and uh, you know see Trey holding a cigar card. You're just not. Yeah. And even if you did, they wouldn't even know what it is. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Good stuff, but, fellas. Yeah. Uh, all right, any 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 inserts you want to throw out there, uh, Chase? If not, no big deal. You um, not inserts. Insert. So I have a couple things. Um, I think veteran uh, baseball prospect autos that we mentioned earlier. I think that could be a very yeah. interesting play. Like, why is Khalil Watson more expensive than Manny Machado, who's probably going to be a Hall of Famer? Yep. Like, uh, like. Is Khalil Watson 18 or 19? I don't remember. He, I think he's 19, but he smokes a lot of Rifa. When Manny Machado uh, was 19, Miami Marlins was 19, he was dropping bombs in the majors, right? 
So like, why would I? Early Manny was something else, bro. Yes. Oh man. So that's one thing I think is an easy play. Cool. I love it. All right. So Kendall, real quick question for you before, oh, before we end yeah. the show. Let's go. Um, Let's go Kendall. A Facebook user. And the only reason that we don't know who this is, is because if somebody watching the live stream from the Facebook group comments on the live stream, Facebook doesn't let us see their, who they are, which is fine. But uh, shout out to whoever you are. We love you because you're in our Facebook group. What other baseball prospects interest you? This is like Kendall. I actually like might just need to go to the bathroom and let Kendall talk for a couple <laughs> hours on this and then and then come back and click end broadcast. Go ahead, Kendall. No, my number one that I'm interested in right now. Uh, so T has brought him up to me. Arm has brought him up to me. I've seen him. He is massively, massively, massively undervalued right now is Yohendrick Penango. Uh, Chicago Cubs. Um, I literally now don't go out and upbid me, you two, but I have five different auctions rolling right now. <laughs> How do you now. spell his last name? <laughs> no. Uh, five, know, different, five different, uh, uh, autos uh, auction right it. now I got it, Chase. that are about Let's to go. end to, like in the next day or two and my bid is winning at five dollars this is like st he's stupid good and he's stupid cheap so wait a couple days mr facebook user or mrs facebook user and then buy some <laughs> panangos there you go. Yo, Hendrick Panango. Do you talk about him in the so we're gonna drop an episode of the baseball card strategy show uh later yeah. today or tomorrow on the channel? If He's you, in do there. you mention him in that episode? Okay, uh -huh. nice. Sure do. Well That's done. Subject you and T are going around the diamond. Yeah, so so Kendall brings on T, uh his I guy guess. at Wild Cards Box Breaks, and they go around the diamond. Uh basically, I love this concept of the show that we're dropping later today. And, uh, or tomorrow, uh, they go around the diamond and they basically sort of update their around the diamond from week one of the baseball season this year, which was back in, I think you dropped that episode back in April. So um, yeah, I dropped it, the, I dropped it right the day before opening day. Or I sent it to you the day before yeah. opening day. I think well we done. launched it on opening day. Is Emmanuel Rodriguez yeah. on it? Mm, no, but he's good. I'll give you that. You know that's my boy. I know that is your guy. I almost have a rainbow. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Kendall got a Valera yellow auto out of a blaster a few weeks back. Dude, go you first off. If you only bought one blaster, fantastic. <laughs> yeah, and he was saying right on, can't wait to the baseball card show. So thanks, yeah. Eric Stefano, for that comment. And George uh, Valera is yeah, we're gonna be... in the show, by the way. I think he's the right fielder on nice. the show. So so basically what I do is I listen to the baseball card strategy show and then I update the sports card investment report right after that because <laughs> Kendall Kendall drops all these names and I'm like, oh shit, got to add him to the, to the investment report. Yeah. The hard uh, part with me, that's Paul, how I get my is I can give you a new name every single like minute of the day. I know. That's what baseball is. Like I, yeah. I saw a tweet the other day and he, uh, this is a guy who was a football collector who was getting into baseball cards and he goes, you know what I love about baseball cards? I can just search Bowman first auto, buy whatever one is $2, and it's going to go up. <laughs> yeah, like, for real. Like, I don't I'm know if that's of necessarily a, the case. I'm a, but. So I'm a, yeah. No, I mean, I'm a big fan, honestly, of like just just doing one. Th I think what I, what I might do actually is like, 
I've spent the last two years doing all sorts of stuff in in terms of like buying and selling cards. I might liquidate all of that and then just focus on like one thing at a time and do Kendall, you and I have talked about this a lot. Like that's one thing that you could just do what that dude told you. Like you could just do that and be, I mean, and then you could just pick one player and only do that one player and flip that one player over and over again. So there's all sorts of stuff. It just makes me think of how cool, how cool uh, sports card investing is, how cool the hobby is. And I'm super happy to have guys like you to, to help host the show with me. And, uh, Thanks for, you know, thanks everybody for watching and listening to the live stream. We're going to come at you next week at a different time. We've been doing 10 a.m. Eastern time. I've been in Spain. I'm going to be in the United States of America next Monday. I'm, I'm so excited for that. So Kendall and I are going to do we switch a, spots? Two, a 2 p.m. I'll, I'll sublease your, uh, your, spot, your spot in Valencia, all right? Yeah, we could do a home exchange. My wife's got us hooked up at a home exchange. So if anyone wants to home exchange with me, uh, we've got a basically like a 900 square foot apartment. It's a good location though, right in the nice. middle of the old city here in Valencia. But uh, yeah, that'd be funny. So you'd be doing it. Like if we stick to 2 p.m. Eastern time, which is what I was trying to tell the audience, uh, 2 p.m. Eastern time live stream next Monday. Uh, you, If you came here, it would be... Yeah, 9 p.m. for you. So that would work out. That's no problem. Sure. See, I'm too old. I'm a, I'm asleep at 9 p.m. So what? So that's why we oh. do we do 4 p.m. No, I'm messing with you. I'm messing with you. Oh, like you can't even watch um, the finals then. Well, the finals are over. Oh, no, the final the finals come on here at, at 3 a.m. So to watch the finals, it's it's a big decision. It's a Ooh. big decision. Uh, I mean, all the all the sports come on here unless unless it's an F1 race that's happening in Europe or a or a soccer match that's happening in europe i mean i it's very hard for me to watch it but anyway uh 2 p.m eastern time live stream next week obviously we run the show everywhere that you can find uh any kind of social media we run the show so you can you can watch it if you miss the live stream uh sportscardstrategy.com or nooffseason.com are the best places to just go get that information um follow no at no offseason card on twitter at Lefty McKee on Twitter, at Tech at TX Roadshow Road Cards Show on Shop. Twitter. Is that right, Chase? TX Roadshow Road Shop. Shop at TX yeah. at TX Roadshow Shop, and then Texas Roadshow Shop everywhere else. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Shout out Chase Krim. Shout out Jimmy. We mentioned you a lot in this episode. Don't yeah, Krim. You, you need right to bring now, Jimmy but... on the show, dude. I there's no way you can I like, know. track Jimmy. Like, there's no. I can't go down the street and see Jimmy. <laughs> Here's what we need to do. I have, I have an idea. I have an idea for a show. Let me know what you guys think. So I was thinking about this, like with Streamyard that we're now using, we could actually pre-record a bunch of clips, get the clips from people throughout the week to where they're still relevant and timely. And then we could do like an around the horn type style where we just like click on the, we, we set up the video, we set up the question and then click the video. So that can make it actually easier for us to have more people. So if you're out there and you want to be involved in the show, but you have like a crazy schedule like Jimmy, apparently like uh, reach out because we could have you on the show answering one specific question or talking for two minutes about a particular topic and we could get more things done that way. And I'd be interested uh, if the if that's something the audience would like would like from us, or if you just like to hear Kendall and I talk uh, talk.
talk for two hours. An around the horn show um, would be so cool. That would be dope. Like I mean, if you I were think the moderator definitely... and you had four people yeah. and you were like, oh, that'd be sick. And they got eliminated. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, dude. We need to make something like that happen. All right. I'm totally in uh, Chase. Yes. Chase, anything you want to add before we before we go to the outro here? Um, Go Cowboys, baby. <laughs> Kendall, anything you want to add before we go to the outro here? Hey, uh, you, you know I love to do this around the horn. Like last thing has nothing to do with anything. Uh, Rangers yep. last college baseball. Last week. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the a yes. By the way, A and M did beat Texas last night. Saw them off, baby. <laughs> there you go. And the Rangers. Oh, you'll like this. You'll like this. So my son's playing MLB the show, and he he Great says game, to me today, he's he's like uh. He's working on like his uh, fantasy roster within the game yep. or whatever. His franchise, thank you. And so he's like, yeah, I got this pitcher. My pitcher's from the Texas Rangers. He's apparently pretty good, but I've never heard of him. It's like uh, Fer Fergie Ferguson, Fergie something, Ferguson something. And I'm like, oh yeah, Ferguson Jenkins. Uh, but he's like <laughs> listed, you know. So he's like, yeah, he's an 89. That guy's uh, pretty good. Yeah. That guy's pretty good. So I thought you'd appreciate Hall that. Hall of Famer, dude. All right. All right, everybody. Audience, love you. Guys, love you. Have a great day. Uh, Thanks for having talk me. Talk to you soon. Thanks for being on. Let's keep doing this. Keep the momentum going. Yo, what another phenomenal episode of the Sports Card Strategy Show coming to you every Monday, part of the NoOffSeason.com content network. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. And stay tuned for our other shows in the feed, like the Baseball Card Strategy Show, Basketball Card Strategy Show, Football Card Strategy Show, Soccer Card Strategy Show, and F1 Card Strategy Show. Thanks, and have a great day. Save 20% on the Sports Card Investment Report at NoOffSeason.com by using the promo code NOOFFSEASON, all lowercase, at checkout. Get your first month at MarketMoversApp.com for only $1 by using the promo code NOOFFSEASON, all lowercase.